This podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences. This podcast contains references to horror, gore, and other suggestive material. Listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boils and ghouls, welcome back to the scariest podcast this side of the Transylvanian border. Spoopy, a horror podcast. Today's episode is sure to be a great one, as we're finishing up our Halloween Horror Nights miniseries, along with some special announcements in regard to the Halloween season. On top of that, I'll be going over some of my Halloween season top 10 films to binge, going through some horror news headlines, and I'll be reading yet another internet horror story. This time about dating gone horribly wrong can relate. (laughs) And at the end, you and I will sit down with the beautiful Christy Adams, owner of the popular Nightmare Toys Horror Collectible Store out in Las Vegas, and chat about her love for the genre and how she harnessed her passions and put them to use in the world of business. All this and more on today's episode of Spoopy, a horror podcast. Stay tuned, listeners. Hello there, everyone. It's good to be recording again after a stressful few months of college work and regular work, because now I get to finish up my three-part series on the history of Halloween Horror Nights. I've been waiting a long time to finish up this one, and uh, I should probably explain the title for those of you who are brand new listeners, and to those who have been listening for a while who know what's going on. I am very inconsistent when it comes to uploading my episodes, I am trying so hard to remedy this, but every now and then a situation arises that really grabs your attention and focuses on draining everything you have and you're putting your entire soul and all your effort into this one thing when I should have been putting some time and effort into the podcast, which is my fault. I apologize. I know I've promised this in the past, but it will not happen again. I assure you of it. If this episode goes okay, we're going to have a lot more to come, and especially with the Halloween season. Speaking of Halloween... We last left off our Halloween Horror Nights miniseries at the end of year 19, with the completion of the Usher's opening chapter. Year 20 would be the culmination of all the previous storylines established in past Halloween Horror Nights events, and would introduce the one icon who was pulling the strings this entire time. Before I get too deep into all that jazz, I think it's time I read another short horror story. Don't you think, listeners? Whether it's real or not, that's up for you to decide. This story comes from Reddit user Simulatus Lacrimis and is entitled, Don't Summon the Woman. I've always been shy. Most people find me a bit weird when I start talking. Some even tell me this. I'm not ugly, but I'm by no means beautiful either. So when everyone else started being interested in dating and started having significant others, I just sat back and knew I wouldn't be one of those teens sneaking out to meet up with my girlfriend. It wasn't sad, I knew I would meet my special someone later. Then came college and university, and afterwards my first job. And before I knew it, I was 25 and I'd never even kissed a girl. I heard about the woman online. I thought it was an urban legend or a scary story. I can't remember the name of the website, and I haven't seen it since the late O's. 
you know, the 2000s to make it more specific, but it worked pretty similar to Reddit. Lots of different forums and lots of different people in the different forums. I spent a lot of time in the relationships and love forum. I guess I was living a little bit through other people's stories while also preparing myself to be a good girlfriend. I noticed if something was brought up frequently as a problem in people's relationship and took a mental note not to do that in my own future relationship. But that wasn't what changed my life, no matter how important remember to communicate seems to be. It was a post about the woman. I can't remember exactly how the post was phrased, but it was written by a guy in his late teens. His story seemed a lot like mine. He was weird, quiet, a bit of a wallflower, and desperate to find love. He'd finally found a way, and he wanted to share it with us. It worked for people with trouble in their relationships, too. He had heard about the woman from a friend of a friend, and he'd tried a few times to summon her, and finally found a way to do it. He wrote us a guide and wished everybody good luck. The day he posted the guide was his one-year anniversary with his girlfriend, and he wanted us to have the same kind of amazing love that he had. I won't share his guide, but it seemed like, an, like a very creative and original take on Bloody Mary. Not that it involved a bathroom or that the woman even has a name, as far as I'm aware, but it involved repeating a phrase in a particular place. The woman didn't appear straight away. It took two days before she appeared in the middle of the night. When I woke up around 3 a.m., she stood at the edge of my bed. The guy had written in his post that this would be how she appeared, but I was still extremely spooked. I tried summoning her because, well, I was lonely and, well, I thought it would most likely wouldn't work and nothing would happen. There was nothing to lose, I thought, but there she was, standing at the edge of my bed. Only a dark silhouette until I turned the, on the lamp at my bedside table. She was stunning, and I mean that. Perfectly smooth white skin, long blonde hair, perfect curves, and her pink lips curled upward in a smile. She was wearing a wedding dress, and she looked like a photoshopped model from a fashion magazine. You know how we think beautiful people must automatically be kinder, smarter, and more trustworthy because of their looks? Yeah, that's the only explanation I have as for why I didn't freak out when I turned on the light, but I actually started feeling a bit warm inside, instead. She was in my bedroom, which meant she was real, which meant I didn't have to be all lonely and alone for the rest of my life. I sat up in bed and remembered I had to say a phrase to her, and I won't tell you what that phrase is, but it was basically a different way of asking her if she could help me find love. She said yes and asked me if I would give my heart for love. Like, my literal heart? I asked. No, sweetie, she said. Would you give up what you love the most, if it meant a lifetime spent with your soulmate? I thought what I loved most. It's not easy to figure out what you love the most, especially not when you've just woken up with a stranger standing in the middle of your bedroom at three in the morning. I had a cat back then. A white little thing I called Sally. I loved my parents, but they lived far away, and in that moment, I loved Sally the most. But I feared life without true love more than I feared losing Sally, so I said yes. 
Will you kill my cat, then? I said to the woman. Your cat? No, she said and laughed. I was just asking a question, my love. I won't kill your cat. Okay. I said. Thank you, I guess. She smiled at me and said, I've gotten all I need. Good night, sweetheart. And with that, she went over, put a finger on my forehead, and everything went dark. It felt very similar to getting anesthesia for a surgery. I woke up the next day, certain it had been a dream. And I kept believing that for the next week until a cute girl named Aisha asked for my number at the grocery store. It was love at first sight, and I knew it was because of the woman. We went on a few dates, and our chemistry was off the charts. This beautiful, smart, and brilliant woman liked me, and I liked her. And we could talk for hours, and we would walk the streets hand in hand, giggling like two schoolgirls. But it wasn't actually meant to be, and I knew it. It was the woman, and if I knew how to find her, I would have worshipped her like a god. When Aisha asked if I wanted to be a real, official couple with announcement on Facebook and everything, I would have given a lung and a kidney to the woman. Of course I wanted Aisha to be my real girlfriend. I had wanted to marry her since our very first date. And I did ask her to marry me. Six years ago. And five years ago we had the most beautiful wedding you could imagine. We had to get Aisha's dress refitted right before the wedding because her belly was getting huge. I used to joke about it and say that we weren't expecting a baby, but a three-year-old. Our daughter was born at normal size, though, and she was beautiful. We had tried to find a sperm donor whose look sounded like they matched mine, and I would, have say, I would probably say we succeeded. Emily had Aisha's eyes and smile, but the hair and nose could just as well have been mine, even though the features didn't come from my DNA. I wasn't even worried, as Sally had died around the time me and Aisha moved in together. It was a natural and peaceful death. Sally was old and died in her sleep. That meant that the woman didn't want anything in return. She just wanted to help people find love. I thought she was some kind of supernatural matchmaker. But then something happened. It happened last week. I was giving Emily a bath when the woman appeared. One moment she just suddenly sat next to me, looking at Emily in the bathtub. She still looked stunning, but her white dress was filthy, her long hair was gray, and her face wrinkled. I've come to take your heart, sweetie, she said. I'm sorry, but this is the way it has to be. I knew what she meant instantly, and I pleaded with her. She said she could take said she could take me, Aisha, both of us for all I cared, but she just said no and apologized. See she touched my forehead with a finger, like she'd done last time, and the world went black. And the split of a second before I fell asleep. I hoped I wouldn't wake up again. But I did. It was Aisha's scream that woke me up. It's been a lonely, horrible week. Aisha is at a friend's house, I think. The police thought it was an accident, and I passed out from exhaustion. I just wish it had been me or Aisha. 
I haven't been able to find the post or the forum again or anything else on the internet about the woman. I'm sharing this with you so you know what to do if you ever find a post telling you how you can summon a woman that can help you find true love. Ignore it. Being lonely isn't the worst thing that can happen to you. Now that was a chiller. Moral of the story? Don't be down bad, as the kids are saying these days. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not hip. Anyway, I'm surprised anyone would be that desperate for company. Well, that's not entirely true, I suppose. Quarantine was rough on all of us. It's spooky stories like these that make me glad I have the life I do. You know what? And I'll do it too. Take a minute to take a deep breath, listener. Close your eyes and listen to all the sounds around you, not just my voice. Now open your eyes. Look to your left. Look to your right. And if you're driving, be careful. Look at any friends or family you're with right now. Look out a window. See the beauty of the world. I know this sounds out of place for a horror podcast, and everyone has a different view on life and different life experiences, but just take a minute to realize how good you have it compared to someone else. Sure, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but maybe that grass is fake or like astroturf or something. <laughs> and besides, we like our grass stained red, now don't we, listeners? Trust me when I say red is all you'll be seeing as we conclude our miniseries on the wonderful, terrifying Halloween Horror Nights. Year 20 was to culminate everything that had come before it. Every icon, every house, every original storyline was to be wrapped together, and with it was the big reveal. The ringmaster behind twenty whole years of screams and nightmares. This, of course, was none other than fear itself. The physical form of this emotion had been pulling the strings and had been planning this culminating event for years. Every icon up until this point had represented a type or symptom of fear. This event also gave a forgotten icon her own house. The daughter of the caretaker, Cindy, finally stepped out of imagination and into reality. The event had you wandering through hellish nightmare scapes from a steampunk world on the brink of destruction to a cult's coven, where if you don't accept their word as law, you'll be the next sacrifice. The main house, of course, was a quote-unquote tour of the Universal Creative Warehouse, where fear had been plotting his takeover. Within the warehouse were terrors unlike anything guests had ever seen before that were waiting for their time to strike. Demonic props, hidden icons, and fun Easter eggs to previous events. This house had everything a die-hard Halloween Horror Nights fan could hope for in an anniversary event. Even houses that had nothing to do with the icons or fear had some kind of hidden tribute, whether it be a clever reference or an actual icon in this house waiting to terrorize guests. Of course, with this event being a culmination, Universal had to start back at the beginning again. For the next ten years, Universal would continue to develop newer stories and build upon new ones already established.
for year 21, guests would really be tested and forced to press their luck, as a brand new icon and one of the classics had been revealed. Lady Luck herself has taken center stage at Halloween Horror Nights 21, and with each spin of the wheel, your chances of survival run thin. Every house involves some kind of chance fate. There were two different paths you can choose for each one, some endings more gruesome than others. Lady Luck would entice her victims by appearing as a beautiful red-haired temptress, my kind of woman. Once you become entangled in her games, however, is when she reveals her hideous, true form. She becomes an evil creature, losing her beauty entirely. This succubus was hellbent on making sure that you didn't beat the house, as the event's tagline so eloquently puts it. This event marked the first appearance of the original Halloween Horror Nights character, H.R. Blood and Guts, which is a fun play on words on H.R. Puffin stuff and added a slew of new houses to the roster. The Thing had its own house, given the prequel to the original film had been released around the same time the event had taken place, in 2011. 2011 also marked the last year Universal utilized any sort of online interactive website or game to promote the event's houses or icons. Besides a new original icon, Year 21 wasn't anything new or exciting for the event. Year 22, however, would see the beginning of a new era for Halloween Horror Nights. The Age of IPs, and IPs stands for Intellectual Property for Those Curious. Halloween Horror Nights 22 marked the first year the event partnered with AMC to bring the popular TV show The Walking Dead to Halloween Horror Nights. Due to heavy construction involving the wizarding world of Harry Potter, the Halloween Horror Nights creative team had to really think on their feet in terms of theming and placement. They were given limited space, very limited space, and had to make do with what little room they had. Famous magicians Penn and Teller were given creative license to make their own Las Vegas-themed nuclear wasteland house, and the popular video game Silent Hill made its Horror Nights debut with a house of its very own. Alice Cooper brought his nightmares to life, with a house inspired by many of his greatest hits, and Universal Monsters reigned supreme in the House of Horrors. Surprisingly enough, even with how popular the show was at the time, many guests weren't overly fond of the house based on The Walking Dead. Maybe fans saw the writing on the wall early, because this wouldn't be the last time AMC's zombie drama would make an appearance at the event. In fact, Halloween Horror Nights 22 marked a three-year zombie takeover for the Horror Nights event, as Halloween, 20, uh, Halloween Horror Nights 23 saw the return of The Walking Dead and paved the way for many other horror IPs to make their mark. <sighs> IP stands for intellectual property, as I already mentioned earlier, and with many horror films being licensed to Universal to be used during the Haunt event, it meant there was fewer room for original houses to be put to use. Halloween Horror Nights 23 also saw zero use of any scare zones whatsoever. The only thing that was remotely close to them was some roaming hordes of zombies that looked like the ones from The Walking Dead. 
Other IPs that appeared at the event include Resident Evil, the 2013 reboot of Evil Dead, The Cabin in the Woods, and An American Werewolf in London, an absolute classic werewolf tale. The event had lost any kind of theming, and guests were beginning to show their displeasure towards it. They knew something about the event was changing, and not necessarily for the better. Year 24 proved guests' suspicions, as the zombies still managed to take the spotlight for themselves. An American werewolf in London returned and stole the show as well. As well as winning the hearts of many guests and won House Awards itself. The epic sci-fi horror face-off of the century also made its Halloween Horror Nights debut as Ridley Scott's Xenomorph took on The Predator in Alien vs. Predator. Speaking of face-offs, Sci-Fi Network's popular makeup effect competition show Face-Off also made its way to Halloween Horror Nights as terrifying human-insect hybrids terrorized unsuspecting victims in the old House of Horrors building. The Dracula Untold House served as a promotion for the film of the same name, and fun fact, was originally supposed to kick off Universal's Dark Universe franchise, a cinematic universe made for their famous monster characters. Popular va vampire action drama series From Dusk Till Dawn also made its Halloween Horror Nights debut, and featured seductive vampire dancers waiting to feed on their next victims. And... Of course, The Walking Dead served as the main attraction for the event overall, with more houses and scare zones than previous years. As year 24 comes to a close, the third anniversary of Halloween Horror Nights was on the horizon, and the Horror Nights team at Universal had no choice but to up the ante and bring back a fan favorite. You know him. You, we love him. He's the clown prince of chaos. Yeah, that's right. Jack was back for Halloween Horror Nights 25th year, and with him followed an incredible carnival of carnage. Freddy and Jason made their Horror Nights debut with an all-out blood battle that would see who would come out on top as the ultimate slasher villain. Although I, I'm a, more of a Michael Myers fan myself, but, you know, we can make do. Alice in Wonderland got a whole lot scarier as Alice begins to question whether or not Wonderland is a fantastical land of whimsy or a desolate nightmare realm where everything's out to kill you. Return to Shadyburg Psychiatric Hospital, where the inmates have escaped. Walk amongst the AMC's Walking Dead zombies and learn how to survive on a killer television show, where the ratings are determined by how gruesome your death is. Ah, uh, yes, primetime television. What an issue it really is. But we're not talking about primetime television right now. We're talking about Horror Nights. Isn't that right? All this and some lovely callbacks to older houses that made for a thrilling anniversary year. However, not everything ended perfectly. Jack got away again, but his lovely yet terrifying assistant paid the price for his gruesome misdeeds. Now, she's the head lady in charge, and as the official tagline stated for loyal guests... You won't stand a chance. For Halloween Horror Nights 26, Chance took center stage and brought to life her own vision of how Halloween Horror Nights should look, sound, and even smell. Sorry, I lost my place in the script. 
<laughs> Franchises such as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Krampus, The Exorcist, American Horror Story, and Halloween all received their own house, as well as the return of the now overused and annoying Walking Dead house. In Ludit, excuse me, in Lunatics Playground 3D, you entered Chance's Theater of the Mind and faced horrors only a wicked person such as herself could conjure up. This year also premiered the first of a two-parter scare zone about vampires in different decades, which was so beloved by fans they brought it back a few years later. For Halloween Tour Nights 26, it was Vamp 55, and for the next year it was Scene, which we'll get to momentarily, it was Vamp 85. Though you knew what kind of horrors you were in for given how well known these properties are, Halloween Horror Nights 26 proved to be an event that keeps on getting better with each year that passes. It's like aging wine. And year 27 was no exception to this rule. This year sported some of the best original houses, but bid farewell to the fan favorite Bill and Ted Excellent Halloween Adventure Show, as they planned for only one more run during this event in which they titled it The Farewell Tour. Properties like Ash vs. Evil Dead, a favorite of mine, The Shining, Saw, American Horror Story, The Purge, and Trick or Treat all received houses dedicated to their films-slash-shows. And The Walking Dead was finally nowhere to be found among the houses or scare zones. The icon was lacking, which is agreed upon by most fans of the event, but that didn't stop it from being the heart-pounding Halloween scare that it usually is. Moving on to one of my all-time favorite years, Halloween Horror Nights 28 took an 80s nostalgia trip laced with acid and mixed into it some of the best and some of my favorite horror properties ever made. Properties like Poltergeist, Trick or Treat, Halloween, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and Stranger Things. On top of this, there were houses where you could travel to Paris and face a horde of zombies, or go to a drive-in and experience some really killer B-movies, and enter a junkyard full of bloodthirsty carnies set out to create your demise. Year 29 continued this 80, 80s sort of theming, and added on to the terror by switching out certain 80s properties for all new, unused 80s properties. Titles like Ghostbusters, one of my all-time favorite films, made its Halloween Horror Nights debut. And others like Killer Clowns and Stranger Things made their return. On top of this, we got Jordan Peele's Us, Universal Monsters, now reimagined to be more scary than their older counterparts, House of a Thousand Corpses, and Zombieland Double Tap, the sequel to the original Zombieland. Scarecrow... Uh, excuse me, scare zones included Undead Vikings, a bloody arcade, and a tribute to the twisted mind of Rob Zombie. Now this brings us to present day, with the 30th anniversary now currently happening at both the Hollywood and Orlando locations. We finally made it to the present. Everything that had come before in the past 30 years culminates now. And trust me when I say... I've seen some pretty cool things. Though this is the last part in our history of the Halloween Horror Night series, I will be covering the 30th episode, or 30th anniversary in a future episode, where I will review the event as a whole, 
and rate the houses and the scare zones separately. Before we move on to another segment, here's a word from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel-tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. Now, when I'm traveling, it is incredibly important that the bag or suitcase that I use is durable and lightweight, as well as the fact that it can contain everything I want to take. Because you don't want your luggage spilling out at the most inconvenient times, like during customs at an airport or, you know on the plane itself or maybe on the train, wherever you're bringing your bag with you, it's incredibly important to have the right type of luggage or bag. And DB does that job. We are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, that's P-O-D-10, or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on, time to get going. And now... Let's get back to the show. When it comes to the Halloween season, I'll watch whatever spooky films or shows I can come across. In the world of streaming, anything you're looking for in terms of horror is right there at your fingertips. However, your Halloween season is not complete with what I believe to be the top 10 essential Halloween horror movies to binge. Some are family-friendly, others, you know... Not so much. (laughs) These are in no particular order, but I do tend to save the best for last, and I do have some honorable mentions at the end, so be sure to listen for those. So keep listening to hear what I consider my all-time favorite film at the very end. This is the top 10 Halloween season binge movies I recommend to you. At number 10, we have It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, released in 1966. I am an absolute sucker when it comes to the Peanuts franchise. I've resonated with the character of Charlie Brown in more ways than one, and in a way, it's incredibly therapeutic. To see Charlie, Snoopy, Linus, and uh, Lucy all having a grand old time during the Halloween party and while trick-or-treating is an absolute delight for the whole family. Thousands have said the infamous I've got a rock line to their friends while out collecting candy on Halloween. I know I have. I say it year-round whenever I get the chance. It's, it's a really good joke. The film is perfect for both little ones and adults alike and is a timeless classic. At number nine, we have Halloween, both the 1978 and the 2018 version because I couldn't pick. I mean, it was inevitable that this would end up on the list, given that the slasher is set around the titular holiday. Michael Myers is one of, if not the, best slasher horror villains ever created in cinematic history. The story follows Jamie Lee Curtis's character Laurie Strode as she escapes her stalker in an all-out fight to the death. 
Similarly, in the 2018 version, it's her granddaughter and daughter that face Michael Myers alongside her several years after the initial attack, given the fact that the film is a direct sequel to the original 1980, uh, 1978 film. Excuse me. Maybe put the kids to uh, bed before watching this one, and if you can't stand the sight of blood, I suggest avoiding this film, or both of these films, entirely. Up here at number 8, we have Beetlejuice, 1988. This film stars Michael Keaton a year before he donned the cowl and cape for the 89 Batman film. Instead, Keaton plays a funny demon sporting a striped suit and green hair who is out to make a living person say his name three times so that he may reach full power. Now, the film is more comedy than it is horror, but it does have its fair share of scares especially for younger ones watching this. It also stars Winona Ryder as a gothic teen and Alec Baldwin as a suburban man trying to live a simple life. When, hi when him and his wife die, it's up to Beetlejuice to show them the ropes. And as you can probably guess with any Tim Burton film, hijinks soon follow. As for whether or not you can show younger ones this one, I say wait until they're just a little older to see this one. There's a lot of strong language and adult themes. Here at number seven, we've got The Nightmare Before Christmas, 1993. Keeping the Tim Burton trend going, I'm sure you and your family are familiar with this classic holiday film and story. If not, it's about time you knew. There's been a wide debate about whether this film is meant for Halloween or for Christmas. And I used to have a solid answer for myself. Now, I honestly have given up trying to assign which holiday this film belongs to. Uh, it just serves as a great piece for both holidays, in my opinion. And if Disney can keep their Haunted Mansion renovations themed after this film up for both holidays, then I'm sure we can all agree that this is a film meant for both holidays. The story revolves around the King of Halloween trying to turn Christmas into a more sinister holiday, and I suggest you watch it for yourself to see how wonderfully odd it truly is. I mean, come on. It's a Tim Burton movie, what did you expect? <laughs> Here at number 6, we have Trick or Treat, 2007. This anthology horror film follows the spirit of Halloween which is embodied in this absolutely adorable little kid demon named Sam, who wears this sack over his head with a smiley face stitched into it and an orange onesie while carrying a pumpkin lollipop. You wouldn't think he's deadly, but oh my god, just wait until the end. He watches over people during the holiday to make sure that they're following the rules of Halloween, and if they don't, well, they suffer a gruesome fate, one that needs to be seen to believe. There are three separate stories within this film that all take place within the same night in the same town. Vampires, werewolves, killer teachers, and more. This film has all the scares you can ask for in a horror film, and is one of my all-time favorite horror properties. Coming in at the number 5 slot, we have The Monster Squad, released in 1987. Now, this film did Dark Universe way before Universal even thought about it. All your favorite classic movie monsters come together to just wreak major havoc. Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and the Mummy all star in this war against a group of teenagers defending both their town and the world itself from total destruction. I won't say too much more, but 
think Avengers meets Universal Monsters. That's exactly what you're getting with this film, and trust me, it is an absolute delight. There's a debate on whether or not this is like a family-friendly film, but I would have to say that it's alright. I mean, it has some strong language here or there, but, you know, that was the 80s for you when it, time, when it comes to kids' films. And, uh, yes, the Wolfman does have nards. Now, surprisingly enough, when I made this list, I was thinking about putting this title a little further down the line towards number one, but with all the other films that I had included, I just had to put it here. Disagree with me if you want, but at least it's on the list, so you can't get mad at me. <laughs> Coming in at number four, we have Hocus Pocus 1993. If you don't know the name Sanderson, then you haven't experienced the magic of Hocus Pocus. The film is set in Salem, Massachusetts in the early 90s, where a young boy, his soon-to-be girlfriend, and his little sister accidentally light a candle that summons three witches who were condemned to hang several hundred years ago. Now, they're back, and they only have one thing on their minds. Revenge. How will these witches react to modern society, and how will the kids manage to destroy the witches before sunrise on November 1st? You're gonna have to watch it for yourself to find out. And surprisingly enough, with this sort of film description, you wouldn't know it at first, but it's a Disney film. <laughs> it's streaming on Disney Plus, given, you know, it's a Disney film and Disney has all their properties on that streaming service. I just wish that they would add more Marvel movies, you know? Yeah. Coming in at the number three slot, we have Friday the 13th, 1980. Though this film doesn't have Jason Voorhees as its slasher villain, this film is a slow burn mystery to figure out who's killing off camp counselors at Camp Crystal Lake. At the time, the film was revolutionary in terms of slasher horror films, but by today's standards, it's pretty low quality. However, this film has amazing practical effects by one Tom Savini, and is definitely worth the watch if you're able to stomach blood and guts spilling out on screen. As mentioned earlier, put the little ones to bed before viewing this one. Coming in at the number two slot is Casper, 1995. This one is definitely fun for the whole family as it's about a 12-year-old friendly little ghost who just, you know, wants a friend. Casper finds one in the character played by Christina Ritchie, who plays the female lead role in this fantasy film for youngsters as she moves into a haunted house, haunted mansion more like it, in Maine with her father. The two form an unlikely relationship that is unseen in any other film, and must defend their home from those who wish to use its dark secrets for evil purposes. This is the film that also established my uh, small but mighty obsession with paranormal romance. <laughs> Don't judge me, please. <laughs> Alright, as for the honorable mentions, if you see one of your favorite titles here, I'm so sorry I couldn't fit it in the list, but hey, it's here. And you should still watch these guys, if you have the time, that is. So, here are the honorable mentions. Paranorman, Coraline, The Shining, Sleepy Hollow, the Tim Burton film. No, yes, Tim Burton? Was it Tim Burton? I know it was Johnny Depp, but I wasn't sure if it's... It might be Tim Burton. I don't... Now I'm, now I'm having a hard time thinking about that. Was it a Tim Burton film? I need to think about this for a second, oh my god. Uh, I'll come back to that. I will 
keep you up to date in a future episode and let you know if I was wrong or not, because I'm going to search this up later. <laughs> but yeah, that, Scream, Jennifer's Body, and The Cabin in the Woods, which is pretty much an homage to, you know, just horror as a whole. Coming in at number one, however, is Ghostbusters, 1984. As mentioned earlier, this is one of my all-time favorite films ever made, and it fits perfectly within the feel of the Halloween season. It's centered around three scientists who have discovered how to capture a ghost and decide to go into business with this newfound ability. Now that these three men and their rookie member have these abilities, they are now the only line of defense against the paranormal forces of Gozer and their minions. Sounds intense, right? Well, if you haven't seen it, it's a comedy. <laughs> Starring Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Rick Moranis, and Sigourney Weaver, this film is an absolute masterpiece of both horror and comedy, and thus concludes my top 10 Halloween binge-a-thon films. Hello? Hi, are you? Hi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never done it like this before, so I was like, hello? <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're fine. It clicked on my end, and then it was quiet. I didn't know if my audio connection was poor or anything. But yeah, glad to have you here. Oh, thank you. Glad to have. Glad to be here. <laughs> I am. Um, oh. <laughs> I should have read your message a little more quicklier because I went and put makeup on and did my hair and everything for you. <laughs> oh, well, I thought it was a video thing. <laughs> as much as I. No, this is strictly audio for now. I plan on introducing video features in the future, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. It's really yeah. nice to know that you put in the effort. <laughs> well, Welcome to the you? show. Oh, oh I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, how are things in Las Vegas? Um, good. The weather is like perfect right now, so that's good. It's like not too uh, not too hot right now. It's been wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at? Upstate New York. Oh, so it's getting cold oh, up there. Well, not necessarily. The past week has been excessively hot, like up to se high seventies, high eighties. Oh, well, that's nice. I mean, it, it can be, but when the weather fluctuates, like last week, it was cold perfect fall weather and then it sank into this weird summer air and it should be back to the fall weather next week i hope well there you go i know i just came from up that way um i did a road trip up to pennsylvania and then a little bit through new jersey and then down to alabama and it's just gorgeous up there the fall leaves and everything it's just so oh great. for sure yeah, because you don't Definitely. get that here. <laughs> no. I've never been out that way, so, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm only assuming. No, it was just desert. Right. <laughs> just desert. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, to start out, I mean, this, was, this makes sense. Uh, favorite horror film or franchise and why? Okay, so favorite horror film, April Fool's Day, 1986, of course. Um, 
Why? Because this is why. When I first watched watched it back then, um, I hated it because of the ending. Because <laughs> it's you know it's a joke. Right. And I was like, what the heck? You know, no one dies. Ah, I hate this movie. You know. And I remember buying it just like a lot, or not buying it, but renting it, excuse me, renting it just like, a, you know, a lot of people rented it too, was because of the cover. The cover's cool with the, you know, the braid and all that. Have you seen April Fool's Day? Yes, I have. Okay. So I like revisited it when I was a little older. And then for whatever reason, I guess just because it's so nostalgic of 80s, like there's so many good actors in it that are in other movies, um, other movies that I like too in the 80s. Um, it's just uh -huh. such an 80s horror movie to me. And there's not, you know, you don't really see any blood or anything either. But um, I just ended up loving it. And then it's just become my, my favorite movie. I turn it on all the time, even if I actually just want to watch it or for background noise or whatever. So um, yeah, I love April Fool's Day, my favorite movie uh franchise i kind of have two that would be um nightmare on elm street and i say that because that was my favorite growing up although uh -huh. now you know my tastes have changed a little bit um but i also like the saw franchise too as well oh nice definitely so, good picks in terms of franchises the thanks. movie is unique I've never heard someone say that their favorite horror film is April Fool's Day. It's kind of refreshing. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like to be a little different. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one of those underrated uh, slashers, but a good it one is. at that. Yes, it is. Highly recommended. So, based on what you just said, what, acts, what exactly began your passion for horror? When did it all start? Um, that was when the night that the Michael Jackson thriller video aired throughout the entire world. <laughs> yes, I'm older. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like five. Um, it was Michael Jackson's thriller video that oh. got me started with everything. Um, I love horror and I love dancing. Those are my two loves in life. And so that Michael Jackson and the Thriller video is what made me love both of those. Um, I just loved being, I, I was scared at the werewolf part. I wasn't at the zombie part. I thought it was cool. I was scared, um, but excited at the same time. And I was like, ooh, right. I love this. And then the making of Thriller came out. And I remember my parents had recorded it and I just watched that over and over and over and over. I just loved it. I loved the whole behind the scenes thing, all the makeup, Rick Baker. Um, and then they always showed American Were Werewolf in London um, in it. And I always wanted to watch that movie because of that, but they never had it at my video store. Shame on them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And so it wasn't until I was a little older, you know, well, way older, really, um, until I even got to watch that. But, um, yeah, Michael Jackson's Thriller video is what started it all. It's an amazing music video. One of the most <laughs> iconic, if I had to generalize, of course. Yes, I think so. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, uh, Christy here is the, if I'm, if I'm uh, remembering this right, you are the owner of Nightmare Toys, correct? 
Yes, I'm a co-owner. A co-owner of Nightmare Toys, which is a horror collectible store out in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, so what inspired you to make a career out of the genre? Um, honestly, it's just, it's a really simple answer of, obviously, I loved horror my entire life. I'm a horror fan. Um, me and Philip Martin, who is also my boyfriend, we, we started it. Um, I simply just had a job that I just didn't want to do anymore. And, you know, I just needed something else to do. And so me and him decided to open up a, um, just a horror collectible store simply, simply for something for me to do. And now here we are. <laughs> it blew up <laughs> my something to do. <laughs> Purely out of boredom. And now you, you're making <laughs> money from it. That's wonderful. Isn't that great? Yeah. Um, I love it. Um, and I love toys. I mean, I've always loved toys, all kinds of toys. It doesn't have to be horror toys. I just love toys. Right. So, um, so that's why it's collectibles and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. But we do everything. We do clothes, masks, costumes, makeup. We do a little of everything we can get our hands on. <laughs> it definitely seems like it from what I've seen on your YouTube channel. Oh, yes. The walkthrough. <laughs> yes. So what does a typical day at Nightmare Toys look like for you and your boyfriend? Um, well, he is the one that does like the business, more of the business part of the, of the business. <laughs> like, he, right. you know what I'm saying? Like the, he like does some of the website stuff and he answers some of the emails and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm more of the person that does the social media. I'm like a little more of the horror fan. <laughs> so I have the horror <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> Out of, he's like the business aspect. I'm the horror knowledge. There we go. <laughs> well, there you go. Perfect team. Um, he does own other businesses too. So the business knowledge and all that was already there when we began Nightmare Toys. Um, so, yeah. And that, so we just kind of half up the, uh, you know, the responsibilities like that. <laughs> right. Um, well, that and then, you know, I've got, I've got employees at the store. So just a typical day, you know, we're pretty busy. We get a lot of people from other States that come in all the time, which is great. I was going to ask that if you guys get a lot of visitors from out of state. We do. Oh yes, we do. People will come all over. It's amazing to me <laughs> how long people will drive to come to the store. Um, yeah, California, Arizona, Utah. I've had people come from Texas, you know, people fly into Vegas and they're like, yeah, I'm my number one thing was just to come to Nightmare Toys. So that is insane. That's what we wanted to make it when we moved here because we started in Alabama. Oh, so yeah. All right. Yeah, we've been incredible. around for four years and we started in Alabama. We had a store in Alabama for um, two and a half years and then we moved, decided to move the store to Vegas, just kind of outgrew Alabama. Um, we got, you know, pretty big online and on social media. Um, and right. plus more people are vacationing to Vegas than they are Alabama. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I mean, you so, could have picked anywhere. So it's easier access for everybody all over the world to come, you know, see the store and actually come inside and shop instead of order online. Right. Yeah. 
that makes a lot of sense. But you you chose Vegas specifically. Yes. What what was there a particular reason for well, Vegas besides that, the easy accessibility? Well, um, well that, and we just loved Vegas anyway. We had already been coming to Vegas for other conventions and other things. Um, so there just wasn't any, you know, there there wasn't any other place we wanted to do it. We just knew it was going to be Vegas. Uh huh. We just knew it'd be a good fit as well, which it is a good fit. Right. You know, uh, do you scary stuff? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> do you plan on keeping Nightmare Tours strictly in Vegas and online, or eventually do you want to like expand the brand and reach out to different states? Um, we have talked about that. Yes. Um, we're about to open up the bar restaurant right next door, um, the Nightmare Cafe. So, oh wow, I did not know about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um right just right next door. Um we're opening Nightmare Cafe, but it's um uh, people think it's a coffee shop because it's named Nightmare Cafe, but it's not. It's actually a restaurant uh bar. So hopefully we should have that open before the year is up. But it it's coming along. It's gonna be fantastic. Everything will be horror themed. Food That's drink. also I was just about to ask of like a whole horror themed restaurant. That sounds like my kind of jam. Well, yes, sir. That way you can come drink, eat, and shop all in one uh, spot. <laughs> yeah, might have to wake up. Might have to wait on the drinking. Just, just one more year. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's gonna be fun. So we're you know, we're working on that. You know, we want to get that going. But have we talked about it? Yes, we have talked about it. Yeah. Um, if we did, it would be on the east coast. It would be up near where you're at, actually. We were oh, thinking perfect. About, we were thinking about Salem. Oh, that would that's be perfect. perfect. Um, and our other, our main reasoning for that is actually to benefit us and the customers, um, our online customers, because that would make if we shipped from that from there as well, that would make shipping for the East Coast customers way less cheaper and way less cheaper for us. Do you oh. see what I'm saying? So we just have like little hubs in different places and that would just make shipping cheaper for everybody. Cause we thought about putting one in Canada too. Cause we have a lot of Canadian customers. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, I mean, horror... be... Oh, sorry. You continue. Well, I, I mean like, so like Vegas, the store in Vegas would be like the main huge store. And then we would put little smaller stores in other places, you know, and it would be mainly, like I said, for shipping. Right. But yes, it would be a store for people to come into, but it wouldn't be like as massive as the store in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> Is there a big market for horror out in Vegas? Like, yeah. are there like oh, a ton yeah. of... Yeah, it's, it's all over. Their haunted houses are growing up. Um, there's, a, yeah, there's a big um, golf following out here, horror fans, yeah. all kind. Yeah, it's... Honestly, it's kind of surprised because uh, from what I saw growing up I, I i wasn't exposed too much to like vegas type media i think the only thing i know about vegas in terms of media is an old looney tunes movie that i saw away when i was younger but uh Ooh, what was that i think it was back in action like they made a whole bunch of live action series looney tunes films i don't remember much uh 
but I just remember it being the strip and specifically just the, the strip with the bright lights and the gambling and all the, the, the fake uh, Eiffel Tower and all that jazz. Right. And see, and that's what a lot, you know, most people just think of when you think of Vegas, but there's so much more of Vegas away from the strip. There's so much of Vegas. There's so much out here for, there's something out here for everybody. It's great. Oh, all Vegas. right. <laughs> I'll definitely have to put that on my travel list when I finally get the chance. Yeah, it's fantastic. Do you have a, uh, sorry, again, continue. Oh, I'm sorry, there's tons to do here. I'm just saying that, you know, if, especially if you're a horror fan too, there's um, museums here, like Zach Baggins Museum and uh, Tom Devlin's Monster Museum. So oh, that's right. That is out that way. Yeah. Yeah. So there's lots to do if you're a horror fan. Okay. Duly noted. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have a favorite memory associated with the store? Like any particular day that really resonated with you in terms of like maybe a special guest or just a certain customer um i would say there's two different there's two different um instances so i would say one would be in alabama when um butch patrick's wife called the store and was like hey we're driving through. Would you like Butch to come do a signing for free? We'll just set up for a few hours and see what happens. And I was just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy cool. Yeah. And so he came and it was like, I didn't have much time to advertise, you know. And then again, you know, it's Huntsville, Alabama. It's not a lot going on. Um, and it was, I think it was on a Thursday. I think it was, it was during the week. And he had a pretty, you know, good crowd come. It was great. It was so much fun. He had a great time. Him and his wife are amazing people. So if you ever get to meet um, Butch Patrick, yeah, he's so nice. Um, and we had such a great time. And that was like a surreal moment for me because I just couldn't believe it. You know, that was my first signing in my store that I ever had. And then it's Butch Patrick and... He did it for free, which, you know, of course I would have paid him, but he, you know, he did it, you know, I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. So there's that. And then when we moved to Vegas, um, our, um, our opening party where I had the signing of Kane Hodder, Daniel Harris, Tamara Glenn, and Drew Marvick, all four of them were signing in my store for our grand opening party for here in Vegas. You're that kidding. Was- Oh my God. It was so amazing. <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I mean, all four of them are amazing. Um, if you're not sure who Drew is, Drew has done pool party massacre. He's kind of like our Las Vegas, um, like famous horror guy here. He's so much uh-huh. fun. Um, follow him on all social media. His posts are so much fun and they're funny. He's a great guy. Mad respect <laughs> for him. Um, and then, you know, Tamara was in Halloween five and then Daniel Harris and Kane Hodder and all of them were amazing. It was a huge turnout. I could not have, I could have asked for a better turnout. It was just, it was huge. And I, I mean, me and Philip were just like, wow, we couldn't, we couldn't believe it. Um, 
but when we put on a signing, we put on we put on an event. It's not just coming in and there's people here and they're signing. Like we have Jeremy the balloon guy. He does all of our events and his balloons are like collectibles in themselves. He's awesome. We always provide drinks and snacks. We always have a sale going on in the store. We've got movies playing. So it's always a huge event. It's always lots of fun. Yeah, that it definitely sounds like it. it sounds like my kind of party. <laughs> I got Kane Hodder coming back November 13th. So excited. Kane Hodder. My God, what a towering man he is. Yes. Yeah, he's coming back November 13th. He's super nice. And then we just had Tony Todd, who is, again, such a gentleman, super nice guy. So <laughs> that is incredible. The amount of people you've been able to meet just from this one store. That's, right? yeah, it's so surreal all the time. I'm just like, hey, is this really happening? <laughs> do you ever become friends with them afterwards? Or do you, is it just like a strictly signing thing? Have you ever like, yeah, kind of, kind of in the way as, you know, um, I have talked to Danielle a little bit. And then always at now at conventions, she's always, you know, coming straight to the booth and having conversations with us, you know, um, the same thing with Kane and a few other people, um, you know, just some, you know, like that, you know, not like we're talking on the phone or anything like that. But right. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that is really cool. <laughs> yeah. So. Not only is Christy a co-owner of this shop, she also has a online uh, content thing for OnlyFans. Uh, I don't want to go too much into that uh, <laughs> idea because I don't know if there are younger listeners listening, but for those who are of a mature, uh, much more of a mature audience, uh, being an OnlyFans creator... Uh, what do people tend to misunderstand about the line of work? Oh, that's really easy. Um, the big misunderstanding that people have with me in doing OnlyFans is that I'm doing OnlyFans like for Nightmare Toys, which is completely false. <laughs> oh. I'm not doing it for Nightmare Toys. I'm doing it for myself. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's like a job in itself for me to pay my own personal bills, just like anybody else does. Right. Um, some people have a problem with me having an OnlyFans and they think that I'm doing it like to, you know, um, to boost Nightmare Toys. Um, no. <laughs> Nightmare Toys pays for Nightmare Toys. Um, so none of the money is going to Nightmare Toys or the bar or anything like that. It's completely separate things. So that's a big misunderstanding for like me, for myself, um, doing it. Um, but it, you know, it's fun. I like doing it. It's just, like I said, it's just something personal to do to, you know, pay my own bills just like everybody else does. And, um, yeah, if you want to see just a little bit more of me and my horror collection, you can, Join my OnlyFans. Uh, yeah, I can definitely plug that in the uh, episode description if you'd like, along with your socials. Yeah. Okay. Definitely cool. Uh, so alongside that sort of question, like in regards to it, has 
your past of being a stripper and or exotic dancer hindered your efforts at a successful business? Or do people just tend to, you know, think of it as a normal thing and let it be? Um, you know, I think, I think most people like just, you know, you know, don't care, you know, they just let it be, you know, but you know, there are some people that, you know, yeah, it does hinder and they have a problem with it or whatever. Um, the only thing I can say about that is, you know, no one was me. Um, and in life, sometimes you have to do things you just got to do to live life and whatever. So, right. It is what it is. And um, I did it. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it is an honest way of making a living. I don't understand why most people would have an issue with it. Yeah, you know, well, you know, some people just do. <laughs> but whatever, that's fine. I get it. I guess whatever. it's just a me thing. I never really understood the, the, uh, the ideology behind frowning upon. I mean, it's you. It's your life. You should be allowed to do what it is you want to do with it and if it makes you a ton of money or brings you happiness then you know go right ahead same with only fans because there are a lot of people in the world right now who are discouraging that sort of thing and i mean sex work is is honest work it, it's you're not just but for back for lack of better word being a slut on the internet you're right you know expressing yourself and you're it can be a creative art form the way you do it like with you, you use oh, it definitely. in a way that uh, you do horror themed things with it based on, you know, your Twitter feed and how you describe it. Right, of course. Yeah. You know, and then I do, you know, um, like pinup photos and things like that, too. So I don't know. I just um, I just don't have a problem with nudity. <laughs> you know, like you said, it's just, you know, expressing yourself. So you know, whatever. But some people have a problem with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think some people, like with me too, some people have a problem with my age um, too. Some people have a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people have think that only 20-year-olds can be hot. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no. Look at, I mean, Elvira. Elvira is hot. How old is she? <laughs> oh, she's got to be in at least her yes. early 50s, late 60s. Yeah, late 60s, I think. Yeah. I mean, come on. Absolutely gorgeous. People need to broaden their horizons a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so some people have a problem with me having it just because they think I'm like too old to have it. I mean, everything's better aged. <laughs> <laughs> I, like a fine I, wine. I don't know if, you know if any women are um, listening, but I honestly, okay, so I'm 43. I honestly feel better now than I did in my 20s. So, yeah. <laughs> they do say you get happier as you get older. There's like a, a certain age where you hit peak happiness. So, you know, that could very well be it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's fun, though. I love doing it. And it's, you know, it's a, po it's a positive, everybody on there is positive, you know, and everybody's, you know, a, a fan of mine or whatever. So um, I have fun with it. That's good. That's good. And from what I've seen in some of your Twitter photos, uh, there it, your background is mainly your massive horror collection. 
how yeah. long did it take you to amass like all those pop figures and collectibles and just all of it? Well, um, I didn't start collecting until about 2014. Um, so I hadn't collected my whole life. Um, just before, just my life before that, um, it just wasn't possible for me to collect stuff. So except I did collect movies. Um, right. So I started collecting in 2014. Um, and obviously, you know, I have Nightmare Toys. So I do get things from the store that I have to open for videos or YouTube videos or whatever. And then, you know, so I, I you know, I do have that. <laughs> um, so whenever I go find, I go find things for myself um, at other places, it's always like older toys. Cause I can get new toys all day long. Right. So I try to find older toys for myself or customs, you know, something different. Um, like this past weekend, I just got, the little troll from Cat's Eye. I bought that at a at the convention this past weekend. And I said that oh. so cool. And you never see that. So I always try to find things like that for my collection. But yeah, I started in 2014 and it's just built from there. Do you have a favorite item in your collection? I do. Um, I have so many though. <laughs> That's all right. Um, you can just list off I the ones you thought, enjoy the most. But the one I do like to talk about, and I do tell everybody, um, is my, I have a Chopping Mall Killbot figure from Death by Toys. They'd only made like oh. 50 of them, I think. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's a little figure. And then my Chopping Mall Bong. <laughs> I have a Chopping Mall Bong that my friend um, had made had gotten made for me for my birthday and it's so cool and you know nobody else has that <laughs> so that that's probably one of my favorites i wish i could show it to you right now um i'll have to send you a picture of it but it's so cool it's just something different that's that why I like incredibly it. unique yeah and i like the unique different stuff so in chopping mall i love chopping mall <laughs> i mean it is a classic fl slasher so, yeah, I would think that would be my most favorite. Um, I do have the the clothes Pamela Voorhees with the little young Jason that's, you know, worth a few hundred dollars. I do own that. Uh -huh. So that would be my most expensive thing. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of things that I that I like in my collection. <laughs> What other things do you collect besides horror stuff? Only horror. Because <laughs> you said you were horror. into older toys earlier, so I didn't know I if... Do, yes, but I don't collect anything of older toys. Um, I do oh, still have okay. some of my toys when I was a kid, though. I do still have some stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, I like I have my Garbage Pail Kids. Oh. <laughs> Way back when. Yeah, I still have all of my collection of that. So, yeah. And I still have my sticker albums. And, um, like, I have a Ghostbusters doll, an E.T., um, a, a Gizmo, um, my Barbie. Oh, that's awesome. All that from when I was a Bunch kid. Bunch of vintage toys. That's crazy yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that's fun. Um, but I don't collect I don't mean, any toys. I don't mean to make you sound old by saying vintage but like <laughs> <It> <laughs> okay 
just wanted to make sure. I mean, it's like all 80s, 90s toys. So I was like, that's to me, that's 80s toys (laughs) considered vintage. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All good. All good. But I do love to collect, besides collectibles, though, my most favorite thing to collect um, are physical copies of movies or t shirts. I have. Tons of t-shirts. I really need to get rid of some. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I love my movie collection. I like just having, you know, Blu-rays and DVDs. Like that's right. That makes me most happy. I mean, I always, I, it's always better to have the physical copy. Yeah, I love it. My movie closet is my favorite. So, How many would you say you've got? Ooh, I don't know. I'm not, oh, a few hundred, but not as much. I've seen a lot of people that I know that have way more than I do. And I'm just like, wow. Right. <laughs> um, I've a few hundred, I'm sure. I'm not sure. I would really like to, actually, I would like to count one day and actually put them in alphabetical order. That would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, that would be really that. nice. <laughs> I know. Oh, I feel you on that. Me. I know. I've lived here for a year and a half now. I still haven't put them in alphabetical order. <laughs> Well, you know, you just put them somewhere and you forget about it and you got all these other things you need to do. (laughs) I know where they're at. (laughs) (laughs) So last question on the list that I have. Since you made a career out of something that you love, what advice do you have for people looking to make a career out of what they love? Mm. The thing I tell everybody is, Consistency is key. Um, right. And you've got to, you've got to market, you've got to advertise and you've got to use social media to the best of your ability. Um, I think that's where some people, um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to say it like this, but may not succeed in whatever they're trying to sell or whatever is because they, they don't use the social media. Some people just don't like social media, but this day and age, it's about social media. I mean, you've got to do it. You kind of have to at this point. Yes, you do. I mean, you really do, you know, and and it's still a little crazy to me too, that I still get the question of, do you have a website? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's 2021. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you got to use social media to, to the best of your ability um, and just market and advertise and be consistent with it and be consistent. That's really key to it all. Um, and don't listen to, to everybody, to what you do, what, what makes you happy. It right. doesn't have to be what makes everybody else happy. You do what makes you happy. Right. And everything will, will come into play. That's how most good things get started. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to hear some of this advice. I was listening and I'm like, this sounds like a lot of stuff I should heed because I, I can be very inconsistent with episode uploads. I believe the last episode before this, as much as you probably don't want to hear this because I try and hold a high standard to this podcast and you're probably thinking, oh, great. I just got put on a shit podcast. No. Uh, 
I'm very indie. I'm working right from my desk in my bedroom at home. Uh, I believe the last episode was in August or earlier. And hearing all that, it's, it's just definitely refreshing because I need to heed some of it. I need to set up the Instagram. I need to get the Twitter more rolling and stuff like that. I mean, I have a Twitter that it's been around for a little while. It's the Instagram that I'm iffy about because I don't know what to put there because it's a podcast. But like, you know. I appreciate the the advice and to everyone else who is looking for advice like that. It sounds like good advice. So I definitely follow her advice. Trust me. I, that's all I did for like the first two years was just like, if you like for Instagram, just like, and follow, like, and follow, like, and follow, and you'll get followers and all that. Don't buy followers, get followers, you know, organically. Um, Right. We never bought followers for Nightmare Toys. It, it all became organic. And I was consistently on social media and networking with people and becoming friends with people and joining groups on Facebook and and just constant social media. And that's what built us up. I get a lot of my orders, my online orders, and a lot of a lot of my people that come to the store know about the store. It comes a lot from Instagram. And now with people coming in the store and doing their own videos, it's coming a lot from YouTube, TikTok. I mean, so, I mean, it's all about social media just to get, and I say that for any business or even podcasts or anything like that, it's, you know, that's how, that's the best way to advertise. You just kind of have to be consistent. It is a job in its own. Um, Literally, when I say this, I'm not joking, social media takes up half my day every day wow half of my day it so and that's doing mine and nightmare toys now philip takes care of the nightmare toys youtube i do facebook and instagram um and then i do all my own stuff too so yeah it's about a half a day thing (laughs) just to do social media and then to make content and to take pictures and to post and it takes a while. It, it is a job. So, I mean, yeah. I see how some people just are like, oh, I just don't have time or I just don't want to do it. But, you know, you, you just got to do it. Right. It can be very repelling, but it's a necessity. Yeah, it, it really kind of is just, you know, nowadays, you know, to get any anything going, no matter what. Unfortunately, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, social media has its up and downs. So, of like, course. having to rely on it can be, you know, a little scary, given the current digital world that we live in. Of course. Yes, there's trolls. <laughs> Tons of those. And not the good kind, like in Ernest. I was about to say that. <laughs> <was about> to <laughs> say that. <laughs> Great minds think alike. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on the program. Is there anything you want to leave the viewers with in terms of plugging in social media or just a final thought? Sure. Um, you can follow Nightmare Toys on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, we do have the Nightmare Toys podcast that we air every Friday. We just put our out our new episode today where we t- ch- um, talk about the Chucky series. Oh. Um, yeah. And check then, that out. Yeah, it's fun. And then you can follow me um, on all social media as well, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and my OnlyFans. And... It's all Nightmare Christie for um, 
OnlyFans Twitter and Instagram. Um, so you can follow me there. And yeah, that's about it. And thank you so much for having me on. And uh, well, thank you thank for being you here. I love talking with you. Oh, thanks. I love talking with you. And, and <laughs> thanks to the horror community too, just for all your continued support um, of the store. Uh, it's this, it makes me so happy. Um, and I just want everybody to know that I'm probably one of the hugest horror fans. <laughs> and it's, it's my biggest love in life. And I love giving back to something that I love. And if you come into my store, it's, it's a lot of fun. I always like to make it fun. And, uh, well, it definitely sounds like a lot of fun. So, yeah. So just, you know, thank you horror community for your continued support of nightmare toys. And, you know, and, you know, we got the bar coming, but, uh, you never know. We ain't, we ain't done yet. You never know. Might be a nightmare toys right. coming your way. When should people expect the bar and restaurant, by the way, by the end of the year, you said? Yeah. It, it, yes, it better be. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> Very threatening. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, there's just been the delays, you know, with the shipping containers on the water. There's uh -huh. like some kitchen equipment and stuff that we still need that's like delayed because it's still in shipping containers, <laughs> like everything else in shipping containers right now. Um, so that's just our little delay right now, but I've got my artist in there doing some artwork right now and it's going to be, uh, really amazing. I can't wait to show everybody. But I can't wait to see what you guys cook up. <laughs> it's fantastic. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you again. And, uh, hopefully we can have you on in the future to talk about the bar and cafe or however that goes and anything else that goes on. So thank you very much. You are very welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it for today's episode of Spoopy. Thank you very much for tuning in yet again to another episode. It's always a pleasure to have you guys with me, and soon us, as I will be introducing my co-host, an official co-host, for the next episode. She's wonderful, she's charming, and she has a lot of knowledge in terms of the world of horror, and I cannot wait to have her on the program so we can talk all things horror and horror-related. In the meantime, please be sure to listen to previous episodes, even though past episodes are from a different podcast, it still means a lot that you support the show as a whole, even with past episodes not really fitting in the continuity of Spoopy. <laughs> I always love saying that word. It's a fun word, especially around this time of year. Halloween season is in full swing, and believe me, I'm trying my best to get more guests for the episodes, so I've reached out to Heather Leggenkamp, Robert England, uh, Tony Todd, who played Candyman, which is a, a fantastic movie. I'm not talking about the, the newer one by Jordan Peele, I'm talking about the original from the 90s, which is also an equally great film Jordan Peele is I'm referring to. They're, they're, they're both good in my opinion. I'll have to cover it on a future episode. But for now, this is it. This is the end. End of the line. Adios. Farewell. Ciao. And we'll see you in another episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at spoopypodcast underscore and on Twitter at spoopy 
pod, I believe it is. I think if you should search up just Spoopy, a horror podcast, our account will come up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.